The presented content does not provide or constitute medical, financial, or legal advice. The content is for information purposes only. Viewing or listening to the content does not constitute a physician-patient, dentist-patient, fiduciary-client, or attorney-client relationship. Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Join us today to talk about choosing a healthcare agent is M. Jane Markley. Jane, president of M. Jane Markley Consulting, is a consultant and healthcare ethics advisor with 35 plus years experience in healthcare. She works with individuals, families, organizations, ethics committees, and healthcare systems to help them understand the importance of advanced care planning for themselves, their loved ones, and their members. A retired Navy nurse, she is board certified in healthcare management, a patient advocate, and a former hospital ethics committee chair. She trains healthcare advocates, speaks nationally and internationally, and works one-on-one -on -one with individuals and their families to complete their advanced directives. How are you doing today, Jane? I'm doing just fine. Thank you, Jason. Oh, very good. Oh, boy, this uh, fifth time? Sixth? What are we looking at here? It's the fifth time. Huh? Oh, my. No, it's the sixth time. <laughs> so I was going to say, we got, and we have another one coming up in September, which we just inked, so I'll make sure everybody knows about that, too. But... For those that are joining us for the live webinar, if you have any questions, type your questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So Jane, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Okay, well, let's go back and do the, the required, uh, hang on. There we are. I am solely responsible for this content. Jason has no, uh, no responsibility for it, neither does knowledgeable aging. Um, and I am not providing legal or financial or medical information um, or advice of any nature. This is all just general information that you could find on the internet if you sought to search it out. Uh, it's just general content and it comes from the programs and the practice that I have had for the last uh, 12 years. So there we go. As you know, advanced care planning is the subject. And I appreciate the opportunity to again present to the Knowledgeable Aging webinar series. Today, I will be addressing how to choose a healthcare agent and a bit about the role of that agent and that person in the process of advanced care planning. This is one of the most crucial decisions you will make and um, doing it well will make a huge difference in how you are cared for when you can no longer speak for yourself. It will also be very important for your loved ones because they will know what it is that you want and they will know that there is someone in charge to help you attain what it is that you want. I guarantee you it makes a huge difference for your future and doing it wrong as I will show you in a couple examples leads to disasters and I will de demonstrate that a little bit later on. Since every person is unique and is working under different circumstances it is important that you fully understand the role of the healthcare agent and the best way to effectively prepare them to do what it is that you need. Thus, I encourage you to jot down any questions that you may have, put them in the chat to ask the questions and, uh, and save them, or don't save them till the end, just jot them down when you think about them so that we'll have them in the chat. We will have chance to get to question and answers at the end. So don't let things go un unanswered. Uh, and you can always um, email me. You've got my email there. You'll see it again at the end after the presentation if you have further questions. The key here is for you to understand how to choose that healthcare agent. 
Okay. So first, it's probably best to understand what a healthcare agent is and what their role is. They are the person who is legally responsible and allowed to speak for you when you can no longer speak for yourself. It doesn't start as soon as the paper is inked. It starts only when you can no longer speak for yourself, unless you choose when you complete the document to have it start at an earlier point in time. Um, for example, some people choose to have it start as soon as they are hospitalized, whether they can speak or not, so that they've got someone who is able to help them um, through the process of hospitalization. What you need to do is for the role of the healthcare agent is they need to be able to communicate with you about your preferences. They need to be able to ask questions and find out what it is that makes you tick. What's important to you and understanding what matters most to you. Not so much what is the matter with you, but what matters most to you. And that's a fine, there's a difference there you need to be aware of because they need to be able to get into the thick of things as far as who you are, what makes you tick, what your preferences are, what your goals, your dreams. Um, they need to understand who you are. And um, they need also to be available and willing to speak for you if you can no longer speak for yourself. I will get into that um, later. Uh, they need to ad be able to advocate for your care as you would desire that care to be not as they would desire it, but as you would desire it to be. So they need to be your spokesperson, your, your mouthpiece, if they cannot speak. And they need to make sure that your goals and wishes are fully understood by the medical staff. And that's not just the doctor, that's the staff that's taking care of you throughout the hospital. Uh, sometimes that can mean a fair amount of work. So they need to realize that if something untoward occurs to you, they have a responsibility to help communicate to the medical staff what it is that um, you would want in terms of your care. So what do they need to do? They need to have the conversation and give the gift. Jason's probably tired of hearing me say this, but it is my mantra. Having the conversation is critical to your care and helping people understand what it is that you want and when you want it and when you want things to stop, if you want things to stop. It is, um, it is all part of the conversation you have. It, it's an opportunity to ask questions, to find out more detailed information about the individual um, and make sure that you as the person who is identifying a healthcare agent uh, is pretty sure that they, they got it, they understand, and they know who you are and what makes you tick. Um, the term healthcare agent is used in the primarily East Coast, but there are a whole number of other terms that are used throughout the country and around the world for the person who speaks for you when you no longer can speak for yourself. Healthcare proxy is used frequently. It is the role of the durable power of attorney for healthcare. Now we all know there's a durable power of attorney 
and that's for finance purposes, for selling your house, taking care of your personal things and all of that. But this is the durable power of attorney for healthcare. It's also called a medical power of attorney and a surrogate decision maker. And in some places it may well be a guardian. And a guardian is only identified as a guardian when they've been appointed by the courts. And uh, unfortunately, if you have a guardian appointed, that person has probably not had the most important thing, the conversation. So it's, um, that's why this, this role is so critical. So now that you know what they do, how do you pick one? First, it needs to be three individuals in precedent order, okay? I'm not talking about a group gaggle making decisions for you when the time comes. I'm talking about the fact that you need to choose three healthcare agents, have that conversation with all three of them, either together or separately, it makes no difference, and put them in chronological order of who you would want to do it first, second, and third. Now, why do you need so many? Well, you need so many because if the first person that you identify is someone who is in the hospital themselves, when you need them in another hospital, they're probably not gonna be much help to you. Um, if it's your son who's in Japan with the army, well, yes, he can probably get through on the phone or through text or modern technology some way, but that certainly isn't the ideal for being a healthcare agent. So make certain that whoever you pick is someone who is gonna be around and available. The other thing that's important to note is it does not need to be your spouse. I know everybody says, well, you know, I'm not sure my spouse could do it. Then don't put them down as, as your healthcare agent. Don't identify them as such. Don't you know have the conversation with them because they're gonna be involved at some point you know, if they're if they are still with us, they'll be involved at some point. But they they are probably pretty fragile if something's happening to you, and that may not be the best person to make decisions for you. Um, I know the reason that I became a healthcare agent for my mother was because my mother knew that my father could not do the job. She knew that he would be too emotionally wrapped up in her illness to be able to think clearly and to be able to make good decisions. She also knew that he could not do what it was that she wanted done. And that's critical. If, if the agent can't do what you want done, they're probably not your best healthcare agent. So there's those criteria. I've started talking about some of them. First, they need to be ready, willing, and able to do the job. I mentioned, if they're in the hospital more often than you are, they're probably not the right person. If they're in Japan, not the best, but certainly an alternative. Uh, the best is to have someone who's local, who can respond on a moment's notice if necessary, and be available for you to speak for you when you need that to happen for you. Um, Next, they need to understand your desires. Thus again, the conversation. They need to know what it is that makes you tick. Um, what is it that you would want? Um, 
do you want or not want to be put on a ventilator? If you do want to be put on a ventilator, do you want to be put on for as long as your lifespan extends at that point? Or do you want to be put on as a trial for two weeks? All of these questions are things that you need to discuss with your healthcare agent to get a sense of what's important to you and what matters most to you. And thirdly, they need to be able to advocate for your wishes. They can't be out there saying, well, I think she ought to have this because that's what I would want. Wrong. What is it that you want, not what they want? Let me give you an example of how uh, choosing of a healthcare agent can go horribly wrong. Uh, when I was in the clinical space, I had a patient come to me from a nursing home. And he was an elderly gentleman, multiple medical problems. He was obviously in his last days and weeks. Uh, and we'd been brought in to try to help make him feel more comfortable. And um, he couldn't speak. He couldn't share anything with me. He couldn't communicate in any other form, uh, except for the documents that showed up. Obviously the healthcare record showed up, but also in the healthcare record was the, was the advanced directive. And I thought, oh, great, we have one. Beautifully executed advanced directive. All that lawyerese at the top and, you know, well done, I's dotted, T's crossed, you know, not a blemish on it, it was gorgeous. And it had a living will and it had a durable power of attorney for healthcare. It looked wonderful. I thought, good, looks like we're good to go. So I opened it up and after having read the living will, which wasn't really very clear, but gave us at least more than we had to begin with, which is what this document will do. It'll give you more insight into the individual. Um, I said to Joe Jones, who I wasn't sure could hear me, I said, Joe, I'm going to call your friend Fred Thompson because he's listed here as your durable power of attorney for healthcare, your healthcare agent. And I said, I'm going to see what he can do to help us out. So I picked up the phone and I called. Now, you know, it's been a while since he's completed the document. You know, the question always runs through your mind, is he still alive? Does he, does he, is this phone number still good for him? Whatever. But I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, I, he answered. I was thrilled. And so I said, Mr. Thompson, this is, and introduced myself, told him where I was calling from and that I was with Joe. And then I had this document that said he was the healthcare agent and that I would like to talk to him about Joe's care. Getting nervous yet? I had a long pregnant pause till finally I couldn't handle it anymore. And I said, Mr. Thompson, do you know Joe Jones? And all of a sudden there was this, yeah, he was my next door neighbor 20 years ago. How's he doing? This was not going well. So I tried again. I said, well, let me repeat what I said just a few minutes ago now that you recognize who this is. And I explained it all again. He did what? He put my name down on a paper and made, he wants me to do something? He never talked to me. He never told me about that. What am I supposed to do? I, I haven't got a clue what he wants. Well, I had to talk him off the ledge because he was really upset about the fact that 
his paper, his name was on a document where he was legally responsible for something that he knew nothing about. And I assured him that that was okay. He didn't need to worry about it. Obviously, Joe had not had a chance to talk to him, so therefore, you know, he he wasn't responsible for doing anything. Needless to say, I did not have a healthcare agent at that point. We had the living will, but we did not have a healthcare agent. So we did the best we could based on what we had and cared for him until the end. But that is the kind of thing we don't want happening. That is why I talk so strongly about the conversation. And it really is a gift. This man was traumatized by the fact that he couldn't help his friend, even though he couldn't remember his friend initially. But he really did want to help, and he couldn't, uh, through no fault of his own. So I hope this helps you to understand the criticality of ensuring you have the conversation with your agent, as well as getting their understanding of the role and permission for assigning the role to them. The other thing you wanna make sure while you're doing all of this is that once you've completed your advanced directive, you make sure that your healthcare agent has a copy of the document so that they will have something to refer to. I had one, pa one patient whose family could all agree at the in the ER that they'd had the conversation, but when asked, each one of them came up with a different answer. And um, we never found that healthcare um, advanced directive until after the patient had died. And unfortunately for the patient and the family who were traumatized, we found out that the, the patient had not wanted any of the care that had been given to her by her family and the medical system. Um, they were devastated. Make sure you take it, make a copy, make sure it's updated and make sure it's available so that you can use it when necessary. The other thing about being a healthcare agent is they cannot be a shrinking violet. I hope that term crosses everybody's cultural background, but you know, they've got to have chutzpah. They got to be able to stand up and say, I'm sorry, doctor, but why are you putting my mother on a ventilator? It says right here in her advanced directive that she wants to be allowed to naturally die and not be put on a ventilator. Why would you put her on one? Now, there may be a good reason and there may not, but your mother's document is the legal document and you need to stand up for her or him or whoever it is to make sure that it's followed. So I've talked about agents' roles, terms used to identify them, and finally, the criteria for choosing someone who can effectively take on the responsibility for you. I hope you've been writing your questions down, and I hope that you are, uh, have, if you have any more, that you'll either write them down or we can have you come in and ask them one way or the other. We're going to move on to questions. At the end, as we go through, I will be posting a list of support documentation and references. See if I can, there it is. Um, so that you can take that and, uh, and use that. So you had mentioned that if they didn't have it, that the courts would appoint a guardian. So what is the communication between this guardian and another family member who maybe, who wasn't aware of their their loved one's needs. So how does that communication, is there any communication or is it just this 
court-appointed person make all the decisions? Well, um, there's lots of answers to that. Uh, a guardian usually is not identified until such time as there is no family in, in, involved. In other words, there are no family members left. And um, there is no one willing to step up to the plate and make a decision on this for this person, even if they don't have a document, they're just not involved. Um, we um, Hospital employees are thrilled if they get an advanced directive. They're thrilled if they get a healthcare agent. If they don't, a better understanding of what's going on is, is gotten from the family um, who are still around. Again, if they're not around, then we go, then they may have may have to go to a guardian. Or if there's a huge discrepancy in attitudes in the family um, that causes confrontation and results in legal being involved, um, then it, lots of things get taken out of the hands of healthcare and, and into the hands of the legal side of it, and a guardian has to be involved. But most states have a precedence order of who they go to with questions. Um, some states have a group gaggle, which as I said, is not the best way, but is, is the way that some states address this. Some states you know, start with spouse, children, Parents, you know, they have a precedence order of who they would go to to ask questions, even though the person doesn't have an advanced directive. Um, it's it's how the states are run. So, but guardian is the last resort, uh, obviously. So, staying with the states. So, let's say an individual has an aging parent that lives in another state. Mm -hmm. um, is it a requirement legally? to understand the laws in another state? In other words, how should somebody, if somebody's watching this today, they live in Oregon, they have a family member that lives in um, Idaho, and they're interested in getting and choosing a healthcare agent, how, are they, how do they become aware of the laws that are different in Oregon and Idaho? Well, an advanced directive, you can find, for the advanced directive, you can find the um, information, um, let's see if I have it up here, no, I don't. Um, online, you can get uh, use the tool to develop uh, an advanced directive, which includes okay. the healthcare agent there. Um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not sure that answered your question, but we've yeah, yeah, I think what they were trying to understand is the to making sure that legally they are covering their family member in another state as opposed to the laws where they reside when it comes to their advanced directive or choosing a healthcare agent, just making sure that they understand the laws in both states. Well, um, it, the state that applies is the state where the person resides. Okay. Okay. If you happen okay. to be at another, um, in another state, uh, your your state laws will not apply. It's, it's the state that um, of the, dom the domicile of the individual involved. Okay. Another question has just come in. If you have one person as a medical power of attorney, another person who is a financial power of attorney, and then a third appointee as an executor, is that mm -hmm. the best one can do, or do they need to redo their estate plan and add alternatives in each of these areas as backups? In other words, what if they have no one else to name? I, my my, my off-the-cuff response to that is make friends. Um, but <laughs> that's... Uh, that's hard to do sometimes. And uh, but if you you can make 
you can make if you have three kids you know that sounds like what you're talking about you've got three children and one's going to be the durable power of attorney for health care one's going to be the durable power of attorney and one's going to be the um the executor you can you can swap them around and make one one you know joe first as a healthcare agent and joe second as the executor or, or any of those kind of permutations those three people can can fill the bill first, second, and third uh, if you want to keep it all in-house. Um, but um, definitely um, you need three for the advanced or for the advanced directive, yeah. How often should these conversations have with these healthcare agents, Jane? Well, I think you need to have them every year. Um, okay. There are some people who say every decade's fine. That's fine if you do your advanced directive for the first time when you're 20. Um, you know, although an awful lot can happen between the ages of 20 and 30, uh, it's it's probably best just to. And you don't have to do a lot, but what you do is make it a pattern, make it a habit. As soon as you finish your taxes, you take a big deep breath and you say, "Okay, let's look at the advanced directive and see right. what the status." Excellent. Okay, gee, I haven't talked with John in a while. Maybe I need to give him a call because I've had a change in my medical condition and I want to I want to talk to him about it to share with him what my thoughts are now. That's all. And that doesn't that doesn't necessarily require you to change the document. Obviously, if you change the document, you need to talk to everybody again and you need to give them new copies. But if you don't, then it's okay. You know, you can, you can just have the conversation and share your thoughts and, and expectations and beliefs and values. All right. As far as um, the conversation, so you have the individual that is the healthcare agent, you have family. Who else, Jane, should be getting a copy of this document? <laughs> Anybody who's tangentially involved. If you're the person, if, if, if you have a person who would get the phone call in the middle of the night because you went to the ER, in other words, maybe your next door neighbor, that's a person who you ought to have the conversation with. If they're the first ones who are going to find you if something untoward occurs, you need to have the conversation with them and share them share with them the document. Obviously, your healthcare provider needs a copy or the, or the healthcare system that you're attached to. Um, if you're in a faith-based organization, they like to have copies of these. Uh, you know, anybody who would be involved if something were to happen to you, your lawyer. Okay. When filling out this document, do you need to, when it comes to the healthcare agent, specify what they have access to? In other words, can they have access to your healthcare records and et cetera, et cetera? It's good if you do in your in your advanced directive as a whole, you make the comment that that they have full full access to everything in terms of your health care. Um, I know people for some reason don't like to do that, but they can't make good decisions if they don't have the information. So and that that goes along with HIPAA. Um, they need to have, they have a HIPAA release that they can have that information and you need to do it for each one of your healthcare agents. Okay. As far as this document, where do you recommend, I think you talked about it, but can you clarify a little bit, where should this document be kept? Well, everyone should keep a copy um, in their home. Uh, I, Everyone who's 
talk, been talked to should have a document. If you can get it into a database that is readily available, that's another way of doing it. There are a lot of them out there. In the state of Maryland, we have Voice Your Choice, where the um, document can be found. Uh, if, you, if you put it up on my directives via Voice Your Choice, that document is available in every hospital and healthcare institution here in the Washington, in the Maryland area and District of Columbia and actually West Virginia now. Um, so it can be found readily available um, for people in the healthcare system to access it uh, immediately. Um, don't put it in the lockbox. That's all I say. If you want to put a copy in your glove box, if you're driving around, um, we do know that um, emergency responders do check the glove boxes for things. And if it's there, that will be helpful to them in terms of what kind of care you want. Okay. But uh, yeah, make sure that all the right people have it and that it's readily available. Very good. Is there an expiration date on this document, Jane? No, there is no expiration date on the document. There will be people who will give you pushback if it hasn't been updated in 20 years, but um, it has no expiration date and is only overwritten by a new document that comes up. So the dating on the document is extremely important. I want to stick a little bit more with the responsibility of the healthcare agent. Somebody asked, is the healthcare agent financially responsible for, I'm going to call this person the patient. So this Absol individual, go ahead. Absolutely not. There's no financial responsibility whatsoever. Um, that would fall to the um, to the uh, durable power of attorney to handle any of the financial needs of the patient um, for their health care. And they also they can't. Is there what about legal responsibility? Can they get can they get sued? Pretty hard to be sued in that role because you have a legal document putting you in that place. Doesn't mean you can't be sued. People sue for much less things in in this world. But the the biggest challenge is if you need. If you are the person choosing your healthcare agent, make sure you include all members of the family in your conversation. Do not let, you know, let somebody slip under the cracks because they don't want to talk about it. Make right. sure that they are addressed and their concerns are addressed and that they get a copy of the document early on. There's nothing worse than the, I, I affectionately refer to him as the, the the son from California shows up, hasn't seen mom in 20 years, and all of a sudden wants a full court press on a woman who is 92 years old, who doesn't want a full court press done on her. Um, and uh, those stories are classic uh, and do occur. So um, I actually had one person who did a web uh, video, um, in fact, spoke to her son on video and said, we haven't seen you in 20 years. You don't want to talk about this. You have no responsibility here. It is the responsibility of your brother and your sister to take care of me. And uh, I don't want you weighing in at the 11th hour. Right. You mentioned spouse, Jane. I want to, there's a question somebody asked about spouse. Uh -huh. The question was, can your spouse automatically become a healthcare agent? Not automatic. As I said, each state has priority listings of when something like this occurs, how they handle it. And a spouse is usually in the mix when that happens. Um, and uh, 
it doesn't matter if they're a male spouse or a female spouse. They're still the right one to do the job. Right. So Jane, you had talked about living well. We talked about healthcare agent. If you look at those two, the healthcare agent and the living will, is there some overlap with responsibilities with both of those documents? In other words, can you have one without the other? Oh yes, you could have one without the other. You could have a living will, um, like like Joe had. You know, he had a living will, but he didn't have a healthcare agent by the time the thing was done. Um, he just had a living will, and that gives us more information we would than we would have had before, as far as you know, younger people sometimes prefer to just have a healthcare agent and not put anything down in writing yet. Um, and that's perfectly all right. Um, it doesn't have, you don't have to have both. You can have one without the other. Is it safe to say, Jane, that it makes sense to consider a healthcare agent if you have family members who often have disagreements and if you have an <laughs> aging parent? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you always are everyone age 18 and above because you'll hear always hear me say needs a document an advanced directive those with what i refer to as the dysfunctional american family need it more than others because that's when things become ugly and they don't just become ugly for the family they become yeah. ugly for everybody around it's very painful to be trying to take care of a person and have bickering family members and you know one playing off another and playing off the the patient and playing off the, the healthcare folks it, it can be really ugly so having this document gives us and all a chance to know what is wanted and who's the, who's the spokesperson for that individual last question jane somebody asked if i do not use an attorney for this in choosing a healthcare agent, mm -hmm. how does this document become legal? As soon as the document has been signed by the person and is witnessed by two people who are not involved, in other words, they're not the medical caregivers and they're not due to uh, um, inherit uh, some, you know, your next door neighbor. During COVID, I did signatures of these documents in people's driveways uh, so that they could just get the neighbors to walk over, see them sign, and then we passed the piece of paper around and we had a document completed. Uh, it does not need um, any kind of legal um, lawyer to be involved in it. It just needs to have two adult witnesses. Very good. Well, Jane, that is all the questions we have. If you want to talk about any references, um, that was yeah. a great time. Well, here are the references. Again, my phone, my um, email address is up there. If you have any further questions that come up after we uh, we go by today, um, these are many of the tools that can be used. I highly recommend them, um, uh, all of them. Aging with Dignity brings you the five wishes. Um, we have the American Bar Association. They do a great job of helping you to do it on your own, um, not self-serving at all. Very well done. Um, and there are a variety of others. If you want help in making it all happen, I think Aging with Dignity, which is the five wishes, and the Conversation Project are probably your two best. If you want to deal more with the healthcare stuff, the stuff you don't know anything about, like CPR and ventilator and all that, the National Institutes on Aging is, is a superb resource 
for you to learn more about that, as is um, Hank Dunn's book, Hard Choices for Loving People. Very good. For those that are going to be listening to this on our podcast, if you want to reach out to Jane, would you mind giving out your email, Jane, for those that will be listening to this? Pretty simple. It's Jane, that's J-A-N-E, at M-J Markley. That's M-J-M-A-R-K-L-E-Y dot com. Okay. And so people can reach out to you if they want to get a hold of this reference. This is a wonderful list. Um, and Jane, how else can people find you? Website, et cetera. Yeah, my website is, like it says, mjmarkley.com, um, and I can also be reached at 703-298-1201, and you can just leave a voicemail there, and I'll get back to you. Very good. Wonderful stuff, Jane. Looking forward to, so to clarify for those that are be that were listening to us today, we have penciled in Wednesday, September 15th for a document share and review. This is the seventh and final in a series of really, really wonderful informational webinars from Jane. Um, definitely reach out to her, uh, a true expert in the field. Uh, as far as Knowledgeable Aging, you can go to our website, knowledgeableaging.com and find all of our upcoming and archive webinars. You can, I encourage you to go to YouTube, type in Knowledgeable Aging and subscribe. We update that four to five times per week. If podcasts are your thing, um, Spotify, iTunes, et cetera, is where you can find us. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging. Mm -hmm.